Hey, what's up, Blundheads? This is Greg. Judy Nye is of Taiwanese descent. She started out in the corporate world, but decided to follow her food obsession and enter the restaurant world. Starting at the bottom, Judy worked her way to the top at fine dining establishments in New York City and in Philadelphia. And after some years here in Philly at Farm and Fisherman, Judy and her husband decided to go back to her family roots and open a casual Taiwanese restaurant in Philly. They call it Balaji. It's at 18th and JFK, and it's receiving rave reviews. Judy is also a driving force behind the nonprofit Hospitality Together, which is super cool. Um, they seek to create a supportive ecosystem to help underserved young adults and uh, training the next generation of Philly chefs at the same time. Follow us on our socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all as the Philly Blunt to keep up with future episodes and get updates for when we go live. We now stream all interviews live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. So subscribe on those platforms so you get notifications when we're live. And please review, rate, and subscribe to Philly Blunt wherever you consume podcasts. It means a whole heck of a lot to us. And we hope you enjoy this sit-down with Chef Judy Nye. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Philly Blunt. My name is Johnny Goodtimes. Hey, this is Greg. And uh, Reef having some technical difficulties, so we're hoping he'll hop in any minute now. Yeah. But uh, while we wait, uh, we wanted to get uh, get the thing popping. So we've got uh, we're excited to have today with us uh, the founder and owner of uh, Abology on JFK. Uh, 18th and JFK. Please welcome Judy Nee. Judy, welcome yeah. to the show. Welcome, Judy. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Thanks for coming. Uh, yeah. So let's let's talk a bit. Let's go back a bit. Uh, you started in the corporate world. Uh, you were not, um, you know, you were not aspiring <laughs> to be a chef when you were young, and it was just sort of something that you stumbled across and seem to be kind of we're smitten with and even though uh i know i've read in a couple different places your mom was real excited about the corporate path you were kind of uh you were kind of enamored with the uh the idea of having a restaurant i think timing wise it kind of worked out nicely i went to school like and had real jobs i guess in the mid to late 90s and it was in new york city so you were seeing like all these great restaurants come up like the big boom during that time period i think we're still writing it kind of now and you just saw all these great restaurants coming up and i had grown up with my grandparents who had lived with us and they were phenomenal like especially my grandma just a phenomenal cook and she and i didn't realize that she just preserved all these like classic recipes from our culture and we had nothing really to do. So we would just talk to each other and cook food. So we just made a lot of food together. And it was just something that we bonded over. And then I came out into New York and I was kind of like, huh, there's none of the food that I grew up with. And no one looked like me making this food. And it was never a pathway that was something you could consider. It was always like, oh, you just do this at home. It's not like you, you, don't, you can't make a real job out of it. And people who, only people who don't have other options go do this thing. And of course, I was a very dutiful daughter, so I followed what I was supposed to do. And I realized, you know, sp spending way too much money eating out and enjoying it so much that I really wanted to give a voice to our culture and also just do something great. What, what town did you grow up in and was there Taiwanese restaurants in your town? So I, so I was born in upstate New York and then we moved to Kentucky Um Wow. Was that was that sort of the uh, maybe the starting point was, I mean, of all places, Kentucky? <laughs> I mean, listen, 
well, I don't know about how I love about Kentucky these days. Their governor seems to be doing a good job with their teachers and vaccination, so I'm proud of that. But I think it's also just the idea that like representation has to come from everywhere. And, you know, it was really originally I was like that jackass who's like, I only want to do fine dining. I don't I like it's gotta be like six million dollars in order to come join. And like I was fortunate enough to be taken in by a bunch of folks in different restaurants and was able to experience like incredible professionals. And it really changed the way I looked at the industry. And it made me also realize after I spent time with them that there needed to be a different model out there in terms of, you know, you can't just be like a $250 meal if you're gonna have the super high quality presentation as well as, you know, food sourcing and production. It needs to be more accessible and more equitable. So Bology came about as a idea coming from that because originally it was supposed to be a fancy schmancy restaurant. So you were in Philly, I think I read like five years before you started your own restaurant? We, yeah. Like, oh my God. Has it been that long already? Yes. We moved so, down so here in was, 2012. So what was it about Philly that uh, made you want to do it here? So we had looked at a bunch of places um, because New York, not to sound like a cliche, but like everyone's from a fancy schmancy restaurant there. My husband and I were fortunate to work for two fancy schmancy restaurant people in New York. And it would have just been not that it would have been too easy, but like it's not unusual to be Taiwanese and do Taiwanese food in in Manhattan or New York. And like there's a huge community out in Flushing. So it's not really okay. like that obscure. So we looked at different cities maybe where there wasn't as much representation. And my husband had lived in Philly prior to us meeting and he really liked the city. Um, it wasn't too far from New York, so I could keep going back. And then you still had access to all the great points and you knew like the general growing season was about the same. So obviously we could get access to similar ingredients that I had grown up with in Northern New Jersey. So that wasn't going to be a barrier either. So it kind of worked out nicely. We got a job offer for both of us to come down and help a former chef to cuisine of mine from Blue Hill. And it kind of worked out. It gave us an opportunity to do, you know, like a market analysis. Mm -hmm. Excuse my dingus dogs who are starting to act up because, you know, of course. That's all right. Of course. We all have either dogs or kids who always make a ruckus while we're doing this from home. So it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, Reef can't, Reef can't get online. The dogs are going crazy. Like, <laughs> we cannot wait to do this in a bar again. That's, oh, my yeah. God. No That's going to be such a great day. <laughs> when we can uh, we can hang out in a bar and, and and stand around and do it, but hopefully hopefully not yeah. too long. Judy, I wanted to uh, ask you do Taiwanese food, and I think there's obviously a lot of Chinese food in the uh, United States and in Philadelphia. And I'm curious, what's the big sort of line of demarcation of of what Americans would come to expect from Chinese food? What they from what they would expect from Taiwanese food? I think just like any other cuisine, you would look at the history and the provenance of the food. So, you know, if you look at Italian food, you know, tomatoes grow in are in the culture and in the cuisine when it's a warmer climate. If there's more cream and dairy, that's usually northern Italy because of what grew there reasonably. Taiwan's been, I will say this nicely, occupied and visited by many different people. So we have a lot of different various influences. Obviously, China is a huge part of it. The Chinese cuisine in itself has so many nuances. So, you know, we were fortunate, and this gets into nerdtastic land, so I apologize. So like in the late 1800s, we were occupied by the Japanese. So they occupied us till about 19, let's say 1945, just to make it easy for people to understand. 
And like to the point that people of my, my grandparents all spoke Japanese fluently. So we have so much of that in our food culture as well. And like the language, the culture as well. And then we had a large group of folks come over from China after the Japanese invasion of China, as well as Mao and the communists. And a lot of them fled to the island. So there was a lot of political strife is a nice way to say it, but they brought over a lot of wonderful um, chefs who also fled because they were considered a part of the cultural elite. So I always like to say, and you know, I probably hear some disagreement, but many of the best Chinese chefs came to Taiwan. And because of that, we were fortunate enough to get some of the best Chinese cuisine of all different provinces and cultural representations in our island. But you also see how it manifests itself throughout the world. Like Peruvians have great Chinese food too, because they fled over there. The Spanish actually have a large amount of it too. So it's basically wherever we migrated. I guess for us, we're just a really fast paced food culture. For us, I think, you know, if you talk about food cultures like, you know, in Japanese culture, they talk about umami and things like that. For us, um, I guess our equivalent might be something like um, kogan, which is mouthfeel, I guess is what it translates to. So our food has to have balance to it. There's also texture to it. So, you know, you'll get one of our guabas, which are those clamshell style buns. And there's always like the protein in there. There's something pickled in there to give it that bright acidity that you want. There's like something crunchy on top of it. There's like a, a sauce that goes with this. It gives that mouth like creamy texture as well. And then you have the pillowy softness of the buns. Like all of that just does a dance in your mouth or hopefully should. And that's one of the things that we really prize too. So like food should be really, really tasty. It should also be really, really like fun as well. So we don't take ourselves as seriously, I think, as some other cultures, but it doesn't mean that our food isn't as complex or varied or nuanced. So, so is there a, like a traditional staple protein in the, in the culture? Is it fish? Is it we do pork, a lot chicken? Of, we do a lot of seafood because we're an island. So think about, you know, prior to all this like modern aviation and whatnot, we are like a fisherman's culture. So mm -hmm. if you look at the island, the middle part of it is volcanic. So you have basically growing and farming on the exterior parts of the island. So, so much of it's seafood heavy. And it's so like, um, we do oysters and everything. So you'll have like oyster omelets, oyster vermicelli, I guess is the translation for a lot of things. And we love seafood. Like I could eat seafood every single day if I could convince my husband to do it with me every single day too. <laughs> like fish, shellfish, everything? Everything. Like yeah. everything. We got these really cool Skull Island prawns the other day, super sustainable from Australia. And we just did it two ways. Like I did ketchup shrimp and then I did like just lightly like grilled in a cast iron with like this beautiful sauce that my husband made on it. And it was just like heaven in a plate. Hearing you talk about, um, Hearing you interviewed in a couple of different interviews and reading a couple of different interviews, it actually brings to mind another Judy, and that is in the Philadelphia food scene, and that's Judy Wicks, uh, who founded uh, White Dog Cafe, and as obviously, you know, probably the biggest pioneer of the uh, farm to table uh, renaissance that really started in the '80s and and has come back more recently. Uh, I'm wondering two things, like. First of all, are you familiar with with Judy Wicks and 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 whether or not she's been um, sort of an inspiration to you? And secondly, where did you get that approach of not just thinking about okay, I'm going to put this food out here for this price, but where are the chickens grown? Where are the products coming from? How can this whole thing be sustainable? 
So I met, I heard of Judy Wicks when I moved to Philadelphia. And then I will honestly say prior to that, the biggest inspiration was my father because when we were growing up, you couldn't get a lot of the Taiwanese vegetables. I mean, there are so many Asian markets now, but it wasn't readily accessible when we were growing up in the 80s. And he would grow everything in our backyard. So he was doing these like fantastic things like hoop houses and like all this like coverings. And I'm just thinking this is just what normal parents do because that's what my dad does. So everyone else must do it. And then forward a few decades, I wound up working at this wonderful restaurant called Blue Hill at Stone Barns. And it was on the farm property of Stone Barns Center for Food and Agriculture. And it was so weird. I would I came in and I remember thinking, this just looks like my backyard growing up. And I didn't understand it. And then one day I said to my dad, like as like a snarky kid, I was like, oh, dad, it's really funny. Like all of these principles that they do the farming on is like Elliot Coleman, Four Seasons Farming in Maine. And my dad's like, yeah. And then he like pulls out this book from his like, he's like, that's what I use mine on. So I will confess it came from my father from a long time ago, as well as just the cultural traditions of Taiwanese cuisine. Like for us, it's always about food, right? Food is medicine. So, you know, great example. Like when we, like whenever I go back to Taiwan, it's a super long trip because it's a very long flight. And inevitably I always feel like sick one, like one or two days into it. And it's because like, I'm just like not used to the time. And like, as I get older, the time, like, it just throws me off. So inevitably, my grandmother will say, how do you feel? Um, and I'm like, Grandma, I'm feeling a little bit tired. Da, da, da. And then she's like, okay, and then we'll like, what else are you like, how are your poops? Basically, like, we always talk about bowel movements, because bowel health. And then like, based on a series of like questions and the answers, something will be made for me, I'll take a nap, and I'll feel restored in like three hours, which is amazing. And it's always that we always look like you're not feeling well, it must have been most likely something you ate. Did you go drinking the night before? Did you like have too much whiskey? Did you have this? And it's like, okay, well, here, you did this. So this is what you need in order to balance that out. And that's always the first resort as well. Yeah, my wife is a, um, she's a cell biologist, but she's deeply into herbal stuff. And uh, like Ayurvedic medicine, which is from India. And it's all about digestion. Anything that's going wrong with you, it's about your tongue and your yep. stools. And mm -hmm. it's maybe not even what you did the night before, but maybe you've been eating too much garlic for the last yes. two months. And they have herbs for that. Yeah. Pretty amazing. A lot of it's in Chinese medicine. It's like there yeah. were a lot of things that like, obviously Western medicine has its place as well, but it's the combination of that old wisdom yeah. that sometimes like, yeah. hey, like, you know, are you really feeling sick because like there's something wrong with like your gastrointestinal tract, which is absolutely possible. But if you're eating pizza and like giant steaks and no vegetables, you might want to consider adding some greenage and roughage into your diet. Like if you can't poop, are you actually eating fiber or if yeah. you're not doing that? Like Metamucil is not the answer. It's like, it's like <laughs> you should like consider eating like some roughage. <laughs> Yeah. Have you ever yeah. been to the, is it long life pharmacy? I think over near where the Trocadero used to be on Art I, street. Yeah. That's my first venture into like a traditional Chinese pharmacy. And it's like, wow, a total culture shock for someone who's never been through it or been there. Oh my God. We're going to have to go to Taiwan and we'll just go down. Like there's just places for all of this. And like, you get a stash of all of these things. And like, we have uh, all these like old school, like, Oh, if you're like having like the shits, here you go. Here's like, yeah, here's this yeah. medicine that you're going to have. And it, there's just so many different things. And like, it's the same thing as I think most old world cultures. Like we all had like a chicken broth or a chicken soup. Every culture has that, right? So you mm -hmm. just take like and make broth out of it and get all the nutrition out of that. And it's also like, we were a real, my parents went, came from a very poor country at the time and they didn't waste anything. And I think that's taught, that was passed down to me as well. And now Taiwan's super prosperous and it's just done. It's like 
beyond first world country now. And it would be great for people to see that because I think for us as a country here in America, sometimes we don't necessarily have the opportunity to travel outside of our own country and see like what else is possible in other places. And sure. they've done a phenomenal job, especially during the pandemic. The whole farm to table, it's so amazing. It took so long to get here. And Judy, Judy Wicks is like the innovator of it here. When you watch any food show from like Europe or other cultures, it's always what's grown like right in their backyard or the guy down the street. It's just it, amazing. It took so long to get here. I mean, it was here. We just lost it. Like we lost it through like a series mm -hmm. of like, you know, innovations from the supermarket. We lost it through industrial health. We've lost it through like a variety of like inadvertent or maybe intentional actions by a series of groups of people in decision-making powers. And I think now that we know better as a culture, we should do better. Like we should take responsibility for our own personal health. And, you know, hopefully some like companies like ours can help people with that. But the important thing is to start asking questions. You know, there are so many great farmers in this area that are doing amazing work. Like maybe you had really gross vegetables growing up because I've heard horror stories and I've experienced some terrible food. I'm like, dude, if I ate it that way, I would never touch this ever again. But I was fortunate. Like I just had family members and a mom and a dad and like aunts and uncles who all knew how to cook. And now like I cook okay. And my husband's a phenomenal cook. Well, I want to know like, you know, the, the stuff that you guys uh, specifically make at your place, um, what what's the sort of inspiration there like where where are you are are you are we talking about things that are like new taiwanese are we talking about things that are grandmom's recipes or is it some combination of the two things it's always a combination of the two because it's a like that's a better representation of the taiwanese culture i always like to explain to people because depending on where you are like if you're a taiwanese kid and you've been to taiwan and you go you know how fast paced that culture is and there is no we cannot possibly as Americans understand the level of obsession that Taiwanese folks have with food. Like I always say, imagine like a 24 hour news network and the first 10 minutes are about food. That's Taiwan. Like everyone, there's like a cooking show, like 24 hours a day. And like, not like the food network, it's just on regular news. It's very odd and very different than the way it is here. And like, they talk about like health and how you balance the energies of the food. And it's just part of our natural discussion. Um, so like the guavas, which I think most people are familiar with, they call them bao buns, which is, I'm gonna let everyone know, don't call them bao buns because bao just means bun or it means to wrap something. So when you say bao buns, you're just saying bun buns twice. It's like saying chai tea, it's like, for example, like ta is how we call it. And so that word from like Chinese culture has passed over throughout the country. So it's kind of funny how language just like people migrates as well. So that's just something to keep in mind. But like gua means cut, right? So it's a cut bun. And so the super classic um, version of it is like a red braised um, thick piece of like pork belly with pick pickled mustard greens, cilantro and peanut powder. So as much as I love pork belly, I think it's a little too rich for too, too many people to eat it that way. So we take it and kind of modernized it. But conversely, there are like guabao shops in Taiwan that do like 25 to 30 options and like which are phenomenal. So I guess it's a reflection of modern Taiwanese cuisine because they're just having fun. It's like a taco. You just put something stuff in it. It's like, who doesn't like bread with stuff in it? And then <laughs> things like um, the, Shinzu, the Shinzu rice noodles are an homage to my family's hometown. So we're from a town called Shinzu, which is, if you're in Taipei, which is like the Northern tip of the island, we're like an hour 
southwest by driving. And it's known as the Windy City, not for the same reason, not the politicians, but because it's actually on the coast. And so the, the legend is that the winds produce a certain type of rice noodles, so we're famous for that. And then, I mean, pot stickers, guotia is like pretty classic. Um, and then rimbings are my favorite thing probably on the menu because they're an homage to the most famous place for them in Taiwan, which is two blocks from my grandmother's house. So it's just a wrap with um, really great sauteed vegetables, a little bit of hoisin sauce, and like you choose your filling in it with peanut powder. And when I get back to our hometown, like I usually am fortunate enough that someone grabs me a whole like plate of stuff and that's just a bunch of like, and that's always in there. And like that family has been making that since my mom was a kid. Is um is Thai Taiwanese cuisine um vegetarian friendly? Very vegetarian friendly. Um, most of the population is actually Buddhist. Um, and until probably a few months ago, my grandmother was actually Buddhist vegan. So Buddhist vegan is actually includes no hot peppers, no um, aliens, so no garlic, no chives, no scallions, because they live leave residual pleasure in your mouth. And what? so, yep. And 10 to 15% of the population is actually Buddhist vegan. So you can go back there and like, we're a really big family. Like on each, I, I think, what is it? 36 or 38 first cousins. So when we go back, it's like usually a big group of people and like inevitably more than one person is definitely Buddhist vegan. So, but my grandmother on my mom's side, she was, and like when we would go out, like it's always like we would rent out the rooms because we have so many of us and you have to call ahead, but you order like the, Buddhist vegan meal and it's like she'll order for like eight people let's say and we're always like into it we're just like sitting there devouring all of it because they don't look at it as vegan they just look at it as like we just need to make food delicious this is what we're doing with it it's pretty awesome like you can eat really 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 well there of like any diet yeah how, uh, what's how, what's behind that like you said that it's a food crazy uh area like what was there any sort of i know you said earlier like there's all these different cultures uh, that have contributed to the food being so unique but what do you attribute to the culture being so food centric I think it's that we had a hunger and want a desire to grow, you know, and when my parents were growing up in the fifties and sixties, Taiwan was still a developing nation and there wasn't much outside exposure. We had been occupied by the Japanese, the nationalists have come over from China and like, you know, you were seeing in the seventies and eighties, you know, industry was starting to burgeon. So then you're like, Oh, everything's opening up. There's TV. There's like all of this access to the outside world, like bring it on. So everyone just started doing that. And like, we don't, we're not purists about food. Like I'm not sitting here and be like, well, you can only have this if it's only done like this, but it is like, there's a basic level of respect for the ingredients and the quality. And I think that's underlying the culture as a whole. So, you know, there's so many different ways to express love for people. We're not an affectionate group of people. Like we don't do the whole, like, I love you. I think I'm so proud of you. Like I remember this like couple came in, a slightly older couple, probably closer to my parents' age. And they came in and they were Taiwanese and they're like, oh, we're so happy for you. This is so, and, like in, I'm translating, they're like, this is so good. And I'm like, you have been out of Taiwan way too long because no one in Taiwan would ever tell you it's so good. They would say, <laughs> which is not bad, which is not the same. <laughs> and they say, they were like, they said, this is which is very good. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And so there's so like, Small things like that. So, so why so you is that, do you think? Well, well, she probably feels right at home in Philly then. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's like, that yeah, how's your food? Yeah, it's all right. That's a lateral move. Like, I know when I, like, work, if I do, like, a good, like, I host Quizzo, if I host a good quiz, I know that, like, Greg and the other folks from Philly would be like, yeah, that wasn't the worst quiz you've done. 
Like then yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh my God, that's the highest praise there is. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's because we're like, we're, we're entirely very grateful as a country for what we've been given, right? We know we're like this teeny tiny island of like 23 million people. We worked very hard as a group to get what we got. There was a huge investment in resources and the people, because, you know, a lot of people just looked at us as like, you know, there's just people, they're island of people. What can they do? And through the innovation and investment of their own people, they did this like amazing thing. Like I would highly encourage anyone who wants to go travel once we actually can safely travel to go there, understand what it's like to be welcomed by a, a people that maybe don't look like you or maybe aren't from the same culture, but they just like, they're just so happy that there's an interest in their culture. When I was in, uh, when I lived away at college, there was a, a guy from Taiwan on our floor and we were really like just curious about the culture and he was so happy like his whole thing was to invite like six of us to his place to cook yes to cook a meal for us a traditional meal so i totally get what you're saying always happy we always welcome people to come over have some food like share meals like there's nothing better than that and it's the way of sh sharing love with each other and and and, and so, you express that i think more than just through the restaurant but you've also Really, I think, especially in the past year, I've gotten in, involved with some various charity endeavors. Uh, you guys have, uh, you and your husband have cooked quite a bit for uh, folks. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, how that part of the business is so important to you? Like, it's obvious that that is, you know, the restaurant is one thing, and then there's just this attachment to it that's just helping people in Philadelphia. Yeah, let I mean, me see if I can figure it out. Yeah. I was reading about today is hospitality together. Yeah, we called? started a nonprofit that kind of highlighted the two different worlds of education and hospitality and put them together, which is incredibly important because I think as a bunch of misfits who kind of come into an industry and like we're all trying to figure it out, like it's a great group of people. Like this industry is full of the most amazing people, so generous, so giving. And I think we were trying to figure out how do we welcome people into this industry, but also make sure they're provided the resources and education that they need to kind of go anywhere they want to, because hospitality represents that. It's the opportunity to go anywhere, become anything, because it touches everything. Food touches everyone and every culture and everything. So why wouldn't you want to provide people with fundamental support? And we have the flexibility in our industry to be able to do that. And we also do educate through so many other soft skills that I think are increasingly becoming important because we're seeing the devaluation of, I guess, human labor, for lack of a better way of saying it in our culture. And really what it is, is, you know, your technical knowledge can be very strong, but can you like, can you listen to someone? Can you learn? Can you grow? Those are very different skill sets. And I know there are plenty of people that I've grown up with who are like amazing. Like all the kids went to famous schools and like all these fancy schmancy places. And I'm in my forties now. And I just realized like, y'all just stopped growing. Like you didn't learn, you didn't get better. Like you just, you were like, you had it too easy because you went to the really famous school ahead of time. And then you just thought, well, I'm done. I don't have to do anything else. But life is about ongoing change, ongoing growth, always getting better. And I think that's always true for like Taiwanese culture. Like I always used to say, um, my mom, my parents would always say like, oh, you know, how come you didn't do better on your test? And I realized, and this is the way I kind of like, organize it in my head, like the messaging meant well, the marketing was terrible. Mm. So they're mm. always saying, basically, you have infinite possibilities, you can always do better. It was just delivered in a not effective manner, let's just say. So yeah. if we can see that in ourselves, how great is that? Because everyone starts at different points in life. But what we can do is offer each other growth opportunities and growth 
education through different ways, whether it's formal, informal. And I think programs like Hospitality Together kind of combine that. And back to what you were saying, Johnny, about the community, like we live in this world, like you cannot not see it. And I think at least for me, and I can't speak to most other people's experiences, like it's really sad. Like I like if we imagine ourselves as a collective and we are, whether or not we want to see it that way, we are only as strong as the weakest link in our communities. So wouldn't you want your team to be strong? And fundamentally, food is the basic, one of the basics that we can provide to people. I can't provide shelter, not very handy with other things, but we can make food. And I will also say, it's not just me and my husband. It is absolutely the commitment of our team and people who in this community who have given us this opportunity. And we are incredibly appreciative of that because they're, our responsibilities to each other as a culture and a community is to serve one another, to care for one another. And I want the next generation to be stronger. So, you know, for anyone who has kids, I would want to invest so that their friends and their communities are stronger. So they will be better. Like everyone's played on a sports team where you knew there was a person better than you. You were always better because that person was better. So why wouldn't you want everyone to be better? And then collectively, we all rise up together. I mean, I know this sounds like floofy, but it's also an economic recovery thing. Like you don't feed people. They have no fuel. Their brains can't think. Who do you think is going to innovate and create the next like Amazon, the next Microsoft, the next eBay, the next GoPuff? Let's make it Philly based. <laughs> so, we, so we need to think about it that way. We need to think of it as a, an investment in the next generation so that we all have work, we all have jobs, and we all have something to do with all this time that we have apparently on our hands. Yeah. Sure. You, you, you've obviously never seen me and Johnny play basketball because there was no one better on our teams, if you ask yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. clearly yeah, the so best. I saw that intimidating <laughs> picture on your Facebook page, Greg. <laughs> of, uh... so I want to get into like hospitality together. I mean, so just so people understand who are listening, understands what it does. You take students who have an interest in hospitality, do some interviews with them. Once you find out that you think they're good for the program, I think you put them through like two or three weeks, soft skill training. Then you find them an entry-level job. You give them advisors. You give them free online classes or access to a free online classes. You're giving them trans passes so they can get to their jobs, right? It's not just like an opportunity to come have a job. It's a full, like you're, you're helping them all throughout all aspects of their life. I mean, it's a full ecosystem, right? How many people, like, I think a lot of the time, we don't even realize how many people have surrounded us to lift us, to give us the opportunities that we have. I think about you guys who are kind enough to reach out to me and say, hey, would you love to be on this podcast? How fortunate am I that you guys thought of me, right? Like, that's that doesn't just happen. And I think we just take these things for granted. And because we've been given other opportunities, or we've seen the model of this happen somewhere else. So it's a collective effort. You need education because it's an important way to get your mind to organize itself. But again, just being able to read a book isn't enough. It shouldn't, it is not definitely enough anymore. And then a lot of the time people think, oh, well, it's so easy. Like I remember there was a kid who had a job and like it was snowing one day and the owner had called and they were really upset that the kid was late. And I'm like, well, they're like, we call, they're like, why don't they just take an Uber? I'm like, <laughs> okay, do you know how far this kid lives from you? And also like, they were complaining that the kid showed up half an hour late. I'm like, mm -hmm. they showed up. Did anyone else show up in your team? Right. But for some reason, yeah. they were singling out this particular kid. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, we need to make, like people, people do want to work. They want to educate themselves. They want to grow. But are we doing everything enough as like employers, as like 
educators, mm-hmm. as a community yeah. to teach them, right? Like a lot of this stuff comes from education and we don't think that this is formal education, but teaching someone how to like, even beyond just knowing that, like writing a resume, how do you know that you need to write a resume? Who taught you that? Like, where right. did you learn that from? Yeah. Right. It's yeah, based and, on who's around you. All right, well, let's uh, let's take it to the blunt, and here's how it's going to work, Judy. We are going to fire some rapid-fire questions at you, and you're going to give us some rapid-fire answers. All right, other than uh, Taiwanese, what is your favorite uh, style of food? I would probably say Japanese food, and specifically more on the spectrum of omakases, like kaiseki. First concert. Oh, Lord. I'm going to... Maybe Dave Matthews Band, which is so embarrassing. My oh, husband's going to... I know. Oh, man. All right. It's been nice having okay. you, Judy. Like, uh, so nice the I mean, that's how basic I am. My first concert with my husband was a Madball concert, an acoustic All run, right. agnostic right. run. Uh, what is on your bucket list? Oh, God. I really don't... Ha- I feel very fortunate that I have pretty much everything, so it's hard for me to, like, go out of my skin. Um... I would love to go to Hawaii. I haven't been there yet. I visited the tropical island of Taiwan, but never been to Hawaii. Speaking of like Hawaii and beaches, who's got better beaches, North Jersey or South Jersey? Okay, I'm going to confess, I can't go in either of the beaches, even though I grew up in both of them. My husband and I, when we first started dating, and he loves the sun, and he's like super, super white, and he burns like crazy. I tan. He's like, you don't want to go to the beach because you just you're not fun. And I was like, no, I'm actually fun. I'm just allergic to the Jersey Shore. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like. And we've had so many fights about this. So one day we actually drove out to the shore. I'm like, I'm going to go in for 10 minutes to stand in the water and come out. And in 10 minutes, you will see me molt like lobster. And I did. I molt. I like, I I have a, I have my skin is like, I have allergic reactions to chemicals. So so like, it makes me like break out. And like, I become like, I literally become a human walking rash. But like, for example, like um, I'm, I'm fine at uh, the Outer Banks. So yeah. everyone from Jersey is like, I, throw I, things I, at I, me. Yes, I yeah, grew no, up no, in no. Jersey. I love Jersey. Everyone. No, no offense to our sponsor, the Wildwoods. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. I mean, it's beautiful. I, I don't have, to go, to, I don't have <laughs> to go to the water. I can stay on the beach. <laughs> sorry guys. Yeah, no, that's, that's hilarious. Cause I always, cause you know, I, I'm, I'm a total beach snob. Cause you know, I lived in Hawaii for a while. I grew up near the Chesapeake Bay. So, you know, I, I I don't typically go to the Jersey Shore just because I'm I consider myself a beach elitist. And yeah, yeah, so you can't, like, yeah, I can't I can't be seen I, at a beach like that when I used to I was to lucky enough out. to go to I was lucky enough to go to the Big Island too. And once you go there, like going to the Jersey Shore. Uh, yeah. I'd rather yeah, go to Penn's like, Landing. It's basically the same thing. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna be, you know, hanging out at Hapuna and then being seen, you know, at Atlantic City, like on the beach, like it's just, you know, I gotta I gotta, I gotta be, you know, it's like when you eat at the four star restaurant, you know, like that's that's where you eat now. Uh, well, I would say know. go to Taiwan. Black the black sand is pretty awesome. Okay, nice. Um right, who's up? Oh, I guess it's back You're to up. me, huh? Yeah. Uh, what is your at bat music? If you're playing in the major leagues and you were coming up to uh, bat, what would uh, what would pump you up? Probably in like something from Hamilton right now because I'm feeling very inspirational for things, and you know I'm not giving away my shot. Okay. 
Nice. Much better. I was hoping I was hoping she didn't go Dave Matthews band. So. No, I learned. Yeah. See, listen, I am proof <laughs> positive so that much. everyone has the ability to grow and learn. Yeah. What's your favorite fast food or chain pizza item? Pizza or like chain pizza? You go chain pizza or fast food. So Domino's Pizza Hut or fast food. What's your favorite? So I think this is a very Asian kid thing, but I love the filet fish at McDonald's because fish is brain food for us. So that was like the only thing our parents would let us get that from there. So I love filet fish Like that's soft. Like if that bun is done correctly, it's super soft and like that tartar <laughs> sauce, it's beautiful. All right. And the fish is sustainable. They changed that. And so they were really? actually, yes. One of the great things, and I can't believe I'm saying this, one of the great things about McDonald's is when they decide to make a move, they're so big that they can change a market like that. So they have been very good actually about sustainability, believe it or not, in seafood. Wow, that is surprising. Uh, where are you getting takeout? Where do I go? My go-tos are Sophia's place at El Mercury. I go to uh, Jen's place at Crunchkin. I get my goodies from uh, Sojourn Philly's uh, Cafe Inez, and then pizza from Wood Street Pizza and Dean and his team. And they are great to their people. And I'm happy that their food is just as delicious as how well they take care of their people. So I can give them my money and be completely happy with that. All right. Well, why don't you, uh, before we close, let us know what your socials are. How do we get a hold of you? When are you guys open? Um, everything else. So our shop is open Tuesday through Saturdays to the public from 12 to 8 p.m. Just a heads up, our doors are still locked to the public. We do takeout and delivery only with a contact list delivery. We haven't deviated from that since March 14th, so just something to keep in mind. And we have our full menu online so you can take a look at it. Um, and then we do, we're open pretty much seven days a week, even though we're doing, because we're doing community work and whatnot. If you want to take a look at our website, it's www.bology.com, B-A-O-L-O-G-Y.com. All of our tags from a social media perspective are the same too. It's B-A-O-L-O-G-Y. Nice. Yeah. All right, well, thank you so much, Judy. We appreciate yeah, you thanks, Judy. coming on with us. This was great. Keep thanks for making the time. And yeah. you know what? We can all do, we all do better when we work together. So I hope everyone can spend a little bit of their time or their money to help support other people in this community. That's the only way we're going to survive this and we'll get, come out better and stronger together. Absolutely. Perfect ending. Yep. Appreciate right. you. Yeah. Take it easy. Yeah. Just the sound of Philadelphia. Covered in blood, the man's office is covered in bugs, the youth dreams cut short.